Hello, welcome to Secure Talk, your trusted source of information on the latest threats, trends, tools, and technology related to cybersecurity and compliance. Welcome to Secure Talk. My name is Mark Schreiner, and I'll be your host for this episode of Secure Talk. Today, we're going to be talking with Graham Brooks, who is the senior security architect at Sixth Sense and is also the pre sales manager. And we're going to be talking to Graham about some recent research on endpoint management vulnerability and some of the gaps that are out there with the different tools and platforms or just with companies not actually addressing the issue. But before we do that, we're going to say hi to Graham. Graham, how are you today? Doing well, Mark. Thanks for having me on. Hey, my pleasure. Whereabouts you? Currently, I'm out of Salt Lake City, Utah. I've also spent a lot of time throughout the Pacific Northwest, Seattle for a bit, as well as Idaho in the northern side. Awesome. Yeah. I'm I'm up in Bellevue, Washington right now. And yeah. we have an uncharacteristically beautiful sunny day, which we don't get a lot of in <laughs> this time of the year. I think you get yep. much better weather down in Salt Lake City. Generally, yeah. I remember my time in the Seattle Metro. It was dreary pretty much all the time. Pretty much all the time. A saving grace in the wintertime this year is we're about, I don't know, less than an hour from skiing. Mm -hmm. Or you could say the same in Salt Lake because you've got Park City right there, which is incredibly yeah. beautiful. Yeah. And a lot of people don't know this. Ulta is even closer. So you can go to Park City. It's awesome. That's what, 45 minutes to an hour out or 30 minutes to Ulta and you're right on the slopes. Oh, uh, wow. Okay. So now I'm even more envious. Thank you for that. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Graham, I, I know that Sixth Sense recently published some research and I think it was titled Endpoint Management Vulnerability Gap. Sure. Uh, can you talk a little bit about what that is and what were some of the key findings? Yeah, of course. So the Management Endpoint Vulnerability Gap research was done in partnership with the Enterprise Security Group. They're an amazing organization that does online research. They interview experts from a variety of different organizations, verticals, and specific industries. And they ask questions around a particular topic. And the topic that they were commissioned to do for Sixth Sense was just learning about the struggles and frustrations and issues that IT managers and IT admins face when dealing with endpoints. And there's a lot of different objectives that we give, gave them, but most of it was oriented around highlighting the opportunities for improvement that organizations could take to help reduce their cybersecurity risk and improve their compliance timelines. So that's what the overall goal of the research was. And some of the key findings that they and we found was that there's a lot of macro trends going on right now that have completely redefined how security management and IT management work, most notably, obviously, being COVID. We also found that unmanaged devices is a huge risk and it's a huge problem, but there's some cool tools out there that are helping to tackle that issue. We'll definitely want to spend some time talking about. And then also IoT is becoming really important to a lot of organizations. And so figuring out how to manage IoT assets in this new distributed, weird, different way of doing IT is also a massive challenge. There's a lot to cover there. And mm -hmm. let's just start with the managed versus unmanaged devices. Are you seeing that it's either or, that organizations mm -hmm. are just like, hey, we don't have a management platform, a device mm -hmm. management platform, and maybe we're looking at it, or hey, they're deploying some type of device management platform, mm -hmm. but still a fair number of devices are not being managed by that platform. Yeah, yeah, really good question. Let me just start by giving you some of the facts. 
from the research, less than 5% of environments that are unmanaged are facing major security breaches. So if you have an environment where you've got more than 95% managed devices and less than 5% of it is considered quote unquote unmanaged, those organizations aren't facing any security breaches. Um, what we also found is that there's a really wide variety of ways to classify something as managed or unmanaged. So it's not just one size fits all solution. It's not exclusively going to be some sort of patch management tool or antivirus product. There's a lot of different ways that companies can approach management. On the flip side, organizations that have more than 30% unmanaged assets, whatever that means for them, are seeing more than one security breach in their environment over the course of the past 10 years or so. The gross metric there is if you are managed for the vast majority of your assets, it's clear sailing. But if you're unmanaged, more than maybe 20, 30%, that's where it starts to get really scary. So, the, yeah, basically, you better get your devices managed. <laughs> at least manage, manage at least 90% of them. And sure. I get that. And I agree with you. The, def, the definition of what is managed really could be unpacked a little bit more. What's your definition of a managed versus unmanaged device? Yeah. Where are you expecting to see it or not? There's a lot of different approaches. The one that I like now is more that kind of zero trust station process of management, which says, were we expecting to see this device or this user or this network endpoint? If that statement is true, then it's managed. And then you can get into a deeper conversation around how do we define C or not C. And generally, a lot of organizations are moving away from the traditional, it has to be on our domain. It has to be in our traditional AD trust. That whole sphere of influence is getting thrown out the window in favor of app-based management. Does this user or this account or this device have permission to access Outlook or to access Salesforce. If those statements are true, that's more what we care about. And so the question stops becoming, what's the physicality of this endpoint? And more a posture check. Does that of resources, user, device, that set of permissions, does it make sense against this product? That's what I prefer as a definition. Other organizations are going to say network access control, this MAC address on our network, on our VPN. Did we expect to see it there? Is this something we have seen before or not? And then some people will break it down further. And is this something that we have allowed in the past? Or are we just allowing them to access our resources unhindered, but we don't have management plan like a antivirus or a patch management solution on that endpoint? So... Again, a lot of different ways to break it down. I prefer the zero trust solution because it's a lot more elegant because it just asks if someone's supposed to be able to access a resource rather than getting into a lot of extra detail. Make, makes a lot of sense. And I'm just mm -hmm. curious if we look at the, the, from the perspective of, hey, are they accessing an app that we need to be concerned about? Yeah. And then, and you mentioned then if they are, you probably sure. want to make sure that there's some type of antivirus and also some, I forgot what the second part of that was. What was yeah, the second part? Like patch management. Oh, uh, I think the new patch term management. is unified endpoint management is what people are calling it. So I'm just wondering if there's a third 
part or component to that with some type yeah. of ano anomaly detection. Sure. Hey, yeah, they've patched the, they, they have the antivirus, they've downloaded or installed the latest vulnerability patch. Yeah. What are they, what, but they're doing something weird here, like logging in from mm -hmm. two different places at the same time. Is that part yeah. of the platform as well? Sure. Okay. So the way that I talk to my customers about this, and one of the great things about my role, because I work in customer acquisition, so I'm helping our company find new partnerships, but I'm also actively building solutions with those organizations. So I get to see a lot of the sometimes dirty laundry, and I also get to see a lot of the uh, practices that organizations might be doing well. And what I see successful organizations that have a good handle on IT management, uh, what they're doing is they usually have some sort of SIM product. That's a central logging tool that keeps track of security information and details in real time. So you're collecting information behind the scenes from a variety of different sources. They also have some sort of security management tool on the device. And those are usually broken up into two distinct portions. There's going to be your anti-malware antivirus product suite. And then there's also going to be your configuration compliance suite. The configuration compliance suite, that's where I work. That's what our product suite is oriented towards. It's essentially the idea that, as you mentioned, patching, vulnerability management, those things need to be aligned with your organization's requirements. We can spend all day on the subject if you want, but you need to have stuff on the device and you need to have stuff in the cloud or on-prem, wherever you store that data so that you have more than one source of truth, but those sources of truth need to be able to talk to each other to organize and understand things like you mentioned, Mark, is this device reaching out from someplace that we expect it to be reaching from, or is it reaching out from, I don't know, a country that we don't do business in? Okay. Let's b back up a little bit. All that makes sense, but back up a little yeah. bit. And for the companies that aren't sure. managing devices, is it just, is it, what are the reasons? Is it budget? Is it like yeah. lack of awareness? It's mm. too complex. What, what are the issues? Yeah. Super good question. That's actually one of the interesting kind of side avenues on the research. We're going off of what people are self-reporting when they say managed versus unmanaged. Unmanaged means a lot of things to a lot of different people. Unmanaged could be, we know that it exists and we know that we don't have our software on it. That's one plane. Or it could just be I actually don't know how many devices are connecting to my services, but I assume it's more or less this percentage. That's the one that really scares me. It's the organizations that don't actually know what their risk is because they haven't actually figured out a good way to quantify access control. Generally, the sticking points that I see are organizations that were all on-prem that had to diversify really quickly due to COVID. I think that's the number one concern point that I've seen over the last couple of years is we had a process in place and it worked pretty well because if you weren't on our corporate network, then we didn't give you access. And that was an easy way of managing whether something was able to log into a service or not is does this MAC address get to be on our network or not? Now that networks like that aren't quite as common, and some of those same organizations have had to move off-prem. It's made it a lot more difficult for them. They've had to change their entire policy structure and implement new tools. And sometimes that process can take years.
And some people are still trying to catch up to that reality. Yeah, it's amazing. I was at a small industry event yesterday. I think there's mm-hmm. 70 people there. And I think less than 10%, 10% of the people were working in their offices. Everybody's working yep. remote still. And companies are trying to claw people back for a variety of reasons. Sure. But the reality is the IT teams need to deal with the new wor- with this world that we're in right now. And the thing, I guess, that's also part of the equation is the explosion in the number of BYO devices, right? And are you seeing, what are you seeing in terms of companies? Are they, are larger enterprise companies saying, hey, we want you to use a company device? Or everybody like, hey, you know what? Company devices, but also if you want to put it on your phone, we can do that. What are you seeing? It's all over the map. So I would say, and I haven't done this as a research project on my own, most of the larger enterprises that I talk to are still pretty strict about device ownership. They're still, and I'm not saying this is a bad thing. I think personally, I prefer this direction. They have a strong delineation between personal and corporate owned assets. Your personal assets, you might be able to access email, might being a very key term. But if you want to go beyond that, access PII or anything else that the company is tracking, you need to be doing that from an authorized endpoint, usually one that has all of the tracking software, all of anti-malware, antivirus, VPN, all of those secondary and primary functions installed. So that's what I'm seeing on the enterprise scale. In the medium to small business side, it's the Wild West now. I see some organizations that have no management practice at all. Surprisingly, I'm seeing it a lot from education, actually, not to throw anyone under the bus. But that medium and small business and organization scale is where I'm seeing a lot more of that diversity, which diversity is not necessarily bad, but it's how you manage it that matters. Yeah, education is interesting because if you think about just the student body, okay, (laughs) number of people, but then also the number of devices. Uh, From my youngest son, he has, he's two, two devices from his school, right? And I don't know how many different logins and so on. And it's like, how do you manage that? And then again, during COVID, where was everybody doing their work from? At home, right? Yeah, it's Mm -hmm. interesting. This episode is brought to you by Sixth Sense. Are you concerned about the security of your organization's data? A recent ESG survey reported that up to 50% of devices are unmanaged, resulting in organizations experiencing several cyber attacks. It's crucial you have a tool that identifies and addresses vulnerabilities before they become a problem. So why wait? Find out how Sixth Sense helps you take control of your environment with automated vulnerability scanning and remediation by scheduling a demo at www.sixthsense.com. That's www.syxsense.com. Now, back to our program. So when you go in and you talk, let's start with the, uh, the small, medium-sized companies, uh-huh. and they have an interest in deploying some type of management platform. What are their top of mind questions? Yeah, okay. So it's sad that this is true, but usually top of mind is we just want it to work. It's surprising how many products exist in the marketplace that don't function as advertised. And this is where I need to be really careful. I won't share any names in particular, but there's no one size fits all solution for any organization. A product that might work great for company A is going to fall flat for company B. Unfortunately, a tool that company B bought might be dictated by price. Um, 
we all have to live under the burden of budget. And so if we can't afford all the bells and whistles, we have to make do with something that might be a little bit more duct taped together. So I think first and foremost is fit. Does it actually work well? Does it do what it was advertised to accomplish? And then the second one is budget. And depending on the organization, that might flip. So it might be budget first or it might be fit first. What about the the concern related to having a large number of security vendors and yeah. kind of a patchwork of solutions? I've been involved with projects related to Microsoft Intune. And, sure. and one of the arguments is, hey, it's all part of the same platform. Yeah. And so what are your thoughts on the pros and cons of that argument? Sure. Okay. This is one of the things that I really like about having strictly organized data is I don't have to go with my gut. I don't have to have conjecture on the subject. This is something we covered in the ESG survey. Organizations that use fewer than five security management tools, which I would say is the bottom of the a number of management plans that you could probably get away with. Most organizations are going to have to have at least three probably, but organizations that use fewer than five tools make up 5% of the environments that are getting targeted and exploited by threat actors. Organizations that are using 11 to 15 tools, which by the way is pretty common, they make up 33% of the organizations that are being targeted and attacked and actually compromised. So the data says that fewer tools is better. Also, fewer tools can sometimes be cheaper, not necessarily in the ticket price of the product itself, but if you calculate the number of man hours dedicated to managing the different control plans, it can end up being significantly easier, a total man hour and ticket price cost evaluation. Okay. And then you mentioned one of the security concerns <laughs> is that the fewer number, the smaller the number, the less yeah. likely of being attacked. Uh -huh. But are there any like just structural security issues or concerns mm. with having su such a large number of, of vendors? Now, the sure. statistics that I have seen, and I haven't uh -huh. seen anything for the last year or so, but yeah. it was like the typical Fortune 500 company has something like 50 to 60 vendors in there. Uh, sure. So does that present some issues as well? Just that there might be some gaps or seams? Yeah, totally. So there's a couple angles here, 50 or 60 vendors, but across what scale is this across your security profile? Is this across security, accounting, business development, all of the different elements of your organization? And so that there's some refining there to be done. But then also when you look at the vendors that you're supporting, um, how effective are those vendors at maintaining their own security compliance postures? And then how well do those products implement within your environment? An easy example being maybe you might be using a tool that does something really important for your organization, but it does align with your single sign-on service. And so you have all of your organizational tools set up for SSO except for this one vendor that your company needs to use, but now you've got this really important hole in your security posture. And frankly, that's just working in IT. You're always going to run into those situations where you just have to make allowances, but the fewer tools that you use to manage your environment, 
the more likely you'll be able to minimize those allowances. Makes a lot of sense. What are you seeing in terms of, a lot of times we talk about devices, we're talking about yeah. laptops, phones, tablets. What other types of IoT devices are you mm -hmm. seeing? And is there, is it just all across the board? Or are you seeing just a particular type, whether it be cameras or, uh -huh. or what are you seeing? Okay. I've got two examples that I come across frequently and they are a pain in the butt. Example number one, is going to be HMIs, so human-machine interfaces. These are devices, they're sometimes running Windows, sometimes Linux. They're usually weird Frankenstein version of the operating system, and they are generally mission-critical. They're devices that you absolutely can't tinker with. If you modify any components of the device, you're going to get in trouble. Even patching for those environments can be really tricky because often the vendor who supplied the is going to have a approved patch list and you have to only deploy patches after they've been tested by the vendor so that it doesn't break the communication between the possibly million plus dollar piece of machinery being managed by the HMI. So it can get really technically complex to manage, especially if you don't have effective tools in place that can monitor and enforce compliance to whatever standards required. And then directly related to that, but more specific is the medical device industry. So mm -hmm. you have a really specialized version of HMI where not only is it monetarily significant, now you're also dealing with risk to human life. So those organizations really struggle with implementing tools that are going to keep their environment safe from monetary loss through a cybersecurity incident, but also keep people safe by being able to supply emergency services in some contexts. So that's one of the hardest areas of management that I'm seeing. Um, unfortunately, a lot of organizations that I've talked to, they see it as such a severe burden that they would rather under an acceptable risk to leave it open to cybersecurity threats than to implement security postures. On the more favorable side of that equation, they simply lock them down so that they're not accessible and they're literally using like USB drives that are secured, quote unquote, secured USB drives to transfer needed information to and from those assets. And that's the only interaction they have. So that I think is one of the trickiest points of management that I'm seeing. And then on the very far other extreme, it's bordering between IoT and traditional endpoints. You have your thin clients, devices that have a simplified OS running on them that are only used for virtualization to be able to access resources, maybe in a Citrix environment on premise. Those devices also can come into risk factors where people choose not to deploy any sort of management plane on them because they assume that the risk to the device is low. There's a, what, two words that are really important here. Key loggers, yes, you can still get malware on those devices. And yes, you can still have your organization compromised, even if you're using thin clients. Wow. Let's go back to the, the HMI and yeah. and or medical device thing. The interesting thing you said is that typically the devices are, you don't touch them. You don't fiddle with any of the security protocols. Yeah. And if there's a patch, you'll be contacted by the manufacturer. So how does that work? And because you mentioned sometimes the option is just to shut the device completely down. Yeah. And, and except with, yeah, I'm assume, assuming to use a USB to access data or something like that. 
Sure. But so then you're dependent upon the manufacturer to issue an update and they can't do it OTA or through any type of, because if the device is locked down, so how does the update process work there? And, and I'm, cause I'm thinking with some device management platforms, you can use that platform or that tool sure. uh, to go ahead and issue to deploy the update. But yeah, how does that work? So in a perfect world scenario, what you would have is a, a bastion network. So you have devices, these are your HMIs. They're in a secluded network that does not have direct internet access. And then you place what we in the industry call a bastion host. This is an endpoint that has access to the external network and it has access to the internal network. And it doesn't do much. All it does is acts as an intermediary to transfer information into that secured network. And it's a severely locked down device. So it only has the ability to manage like maybe one or two protocols for communication. Nobody has permissions to that device except for a very short list of people, probably in your security operations team. And all it does is communicate to the devices behind that lockdown network. Um, tools that are a little bit more sophisticated are going to allow you to interact with these sorts of environments. They can place their tool, their agent, their appliance in that bastion and then information to your console, to your central management platform through that proxy without compromising the devices inside of that network. Um, that's my preferred method. The problem with doing something like that is it requires a certain level of knowledge about security operations principles, as well as networking to be able to accomplish a secure bastion environment. And some organizations either don't have the technical prowess to accomplish that, or they don't have the man hours to accomplish it. There's plenty of organizations that I talk to that are just looking for easy wins because they don't have time to produce a truly secured, safe, effective working environment. Yeah, it, it sounds pretty complex. And uh, of course, the platform that you're using to manage the devices would have to support that type of deployment as well. And you need that subject matter expertise. And I, I guess what you're saying is, hey, go for the easy wins, lock down 90% of devices and these ones. But the, the downside risk to one of the, yeah. those devices being compromised is huge, especially when you sure. mentioned medical devices, right? Yeah. And so I guess you're messed up either way. <laughs> yeah. Damn if you do, damn if you don't, right? Yeah. And that's why... When I talk to customers of ours, potential new customers, I always focus before we talk around tool set and figure out whether our tool is the right fit or if things need to be modified with our tool. I always start by just asking them what their current man hours look like. How, mu how much time are you, Mr. IT analyst, spending on security management this week? If I hear, oh, we're not actually spending that much time on it. That's great. If I hear that they're spending more than full-time working on some of these projects, that's when I start to get those alarm bells ringing. And I'm like, okay, we need to take a step back. Let's talk about some of the things that might be spinning your wheels unnecessarily, because if we can help IT analysts and managers get time more efficiently, they will then be able to have conversations about their HMIs instead of just saying, we have a thumb drive, let's use the thumb drive because it's been working for the past 10 years poorly, but it's been working. Yeah. And then assuming as part of that 
question. One of the solutions is, is actually to use the right tools. Because if you use the right yeah. tools, you can automate a lot of things. Uh, so why don't we talk a little bit about Sixth Sense just for a bit here. How do you fit into the picture? And when you go in, because you mentioned the key components of antivirus, patch updates, also configuration management. Where do you fit into all that? Yeah, good question. Thank you. So our tool set is going to live as an agent on the endpoint managing configuration compliance. When I say configuration compliance, there's a lot of different stuff bundled into that. You could have a compliance requirement that says that Google Chrome needs to be no more than three days out of date at any given moment. It has to be within three days of the last patch. We'll then be monitoring that state and we'll say, oh, you have a device that hasn't had the latest Chrome patch within your three-day expected window, so we're going to push it dynamically. A completely different example might be administrator accounts. You have a policy that says that end users are not allowed to be administrators of their devices. It's a private list of individuals that are part of your domain admins list who get to be admins on those devices. We can validate that and enforce that as a policy. And we work alongside your antivirus. We don't do antivirus. We're not interested in active threat prevention or mediation. Our job is to make sure that your AV is running correctly. Is AV installed on this asset? If not, lock it down, remove users' ability to access resources, install AV, get them back up and running again. That's really what our tool is built for. And I use the example with the HMI and that Bastion host proxy environment as my example, because that's something that our tool is actually really effective at is You've got endpoints that are in a hard to reach location, but you need to manage them still. You need to be able to get useful reporting out of that environment. You can use Sixth Sense to enforce that. And then if we look towards the larger conversation of trusted, untrusted, managed, unmanaged, you could actually use Sixth Sense as a tool to establish what we call device trust, meaning if the agent for Sixth Sense is installed on the device, then we understand that this device is managed and therefore should have access to resources, assuming that all of the policies that we've assigned to the device are running and are currently enacted. Some of this language actually is reminiscent of Microsoft's group policy. That's because our tool is a descendant of group policies. The idea that you should be able to manage all of the configurations, all of the deterministic processes on your devices, but we don't care about network. That's the thing that makes group policy hard is you have to be on a domain, you have to have VPN access, all of those different prereqs. Now with the whole distributed workforce philosophy, all you need is internet and an agent. As long as the agent's provision, the device can be trusted. And I'm not even sure if this is a term, but about device discovery. I'm just imagining yeah. you walk into yeah. uh, small, medium-sized business and sure. yeah, we've got 200 laptops and 200 company phones and we're good to go. Yeah. And there's probably some stuff that they're not even aware of. So sure. How does that work? Okay. This is where that whole conversation around how many tools are you using really comes to fruition. If you have a couple tools that are really well managed and you're only using a couple tools, this isn't that hard of a conversation because you can make a statement that says we use Microsoft 365 for all of our web apps. And we use Sixth Sense for device trust. And so if a device is trying to access Microsoft 365, part of single sign-on is a question to Sixth Sense if it's running on that device. And if it is running, 
then we give them access to Outlook or Word or OneNote. And if it's not, then that access is denied. And so you no longer have to concern yourself as much with the concept of whether a device is managed or not, because it's either managed or it doesn't get to do anything. So you have that immediate lockdown. At that point, it almost becomes more of an HR question than it does an IT operations question. Why is someone trying to access Outlook from a device that's not owned and managed by information services or information security? At that point, it's a user training more than it is a security operations. Makes a lot of sense. Hey, I got a question. Just because I had to do this yesterday, I had yeah. to use a, just use a webmail to, to access um, sure. my, my company's mail. And how does, you know, and, and this is on an untrusted device sure. and I got access. How does that play out with the use of Sixth Sense? Yeah. Okay. So you have your SSO product. It could be a lot of things. It could be Duo, Okta, Azure, Auth. There's a lot of different excellent products out there. In your SSO product, some of the more advanced, more functional products in the market allow you to call other tools as part of your attestation process. This is starting to get into the conversation around zero trust. And you would have as part of your SSO process, a handshake that would occur between, let's use Microsoft Office, the example. They would make an API call to Sixth Sense and it would ask the question, so this MAC address or this fire is trying to access our website. And I would say, oh, okay. Does that identifier match an attribute of a device in Sixth Sense? If it does, okay. Is that device that we've tied it to, does that endpoint have all of its policies in play? Or is everything set up correctly? The answer is yes, then access is granted because that trust has been established. And if it's not, then access is denied. And then maybe the user gets a message through the single sign-on tool telling them that they have to talk to IT security or something. Excellent. Hey, let me ask you, yeah. aside from the HMI scenarios, what's the most difficult scenario that you've had to address? Yeah. Okay. It's actually more of a people problem than it is a tech problem. Because in my opinion, most problems fall into two camps. It's either an engineering problem or it's a communication problem. And the hardest issues that I see are of the second category, communication. How well does the security team and the operations team communicate, if at all? And are their goals aligned? Because they might not be. Your operations team might be way more interested in closing tickets from the help desk and making user experience better. And your security team might be interested in protecting intellectual property. And because in many organizations, they don't talk to each other very much and they're siloed under different HR structures, that's pretty standard. You can have a big fight over who gets what resources and how those resources are used and what they're used for. One of the great things about unified endpoint management tools like Sixth Sense and others is we allow both of those organizations, whether they're part of a different HR structure or not, to have access to the same visibility so they can see the same sort of issues that are cropping up in their environment using the same set of tools. When they're using the same set of tools, hopefully 
fewer tools. They're going to be able to understand the problems that the other half of the organization is facing. And when you can see the problems that someone else is dealing with, can really help you to empathize and help you to figure out a common solution to a problem rather than constantly throwing it back and forth across the fence. I think it's a great observation in terms of group company dynamics. A lot of times in a lot of places, people assume that IT security is somehow one person's or one team's responsibility, mm -hmm. very technical, and the hackers are like amazing ladies, the North Korean or Russian super geniuses. Yeah. And the reality, the basic rung of security is just creating awareness enterprise. -wide. It's everybody's responsibility. And yeah. you, here are some things that you need to look out for. You just threw another angle on that where communication between teams and understanding, hey, this is for both of ours best mm -hmm. interests. And the way that you can bridge that gap by using a shared tool is, is awesome. Yeah. Let me throw a stat at you that I have been working really hard to nail down. If you use your preferred search engine to look up the average mean time to resolve for critical vulnerabilities, you're going to probably find 15 different numbers. You'll find 30 days. You'll find 12 days. You'll find 150 days. No one really has a good answer, but generally it's more than two weeks is what I have found. So that's two weeks that a vulnerability, potentially a critical one, is just hanging out in your environment. And generally what I have found, this is more conjecture than it is based on fact. It's just my experience. It's because the process that's in place is managed by different teams that have to throw responsibility back and forth to get a job accomplished rather than a unified single point of ownership that's responsible for resolving issues quickly. And so I often think of security management as actually an HR problem and not an engineering problem first. And if we can figure out the HR problem, figuring out the engineering problem is actually fairly easy. I think that's a, another great observation. Hey, I'm just curious when it comes to patch management, are most platforms pulling the known vulnerabilities from some type of central database or mm. do you have to be piped into several different databases or all the different manufacturers. Does that work? Yeah. Okay. This is one of the things that I think we've done really good. We've done it well as an industry. MITRE exists and they are responsible for managing telemetry about vulnerabilities. So there's this process, it's called the CVE. And because I'm on a podcast, I can't remember what that stands for, but it's basically the identity of a vulnerability. It's a numerical value representing features of the vulnerability and when it was discovered. And then if you have a CVE, a specific identified vulnerability, there's then this other thing called the CVSS score. And the CVSS score represents all of the body of evidence we have about this vulnerability, how important it is, why you should care about it. Is it going to impact this aspect of your organization or that aspect of your organization? And that product provided by MITRE, which is a government organized entity, it's used internationally, though it's provided by the US government, allows the IT industry to have insight into vulnerability management. And then there's dozens, probably more than dozens of tools out there that tie into that framework. So when you do a vulnerability scan, whether you're using Sixth Sense, 
or Qualys or Tenable, whatever platform, you're always going to be tying back to the same source of truth, which means that you have great benchmarking at your disposal. As I said, the HR problem is a lot harder than the engineering problem. When it comes time to solve the engineering problem, we've figured out how to manage the thing. Now we need the tool to manage. You have the ability to compare and say, this tool found these 12 vulnerabilities that are real, and this tool only found five. Why is there a discrepancy there? And that will allow you to make a more educated decision about what product to go with, which unfortunately also throws a run monkey wrench into the conversation around using fewer tools, because oftentimes <laughs> people are going to want to use two separate tools to benchmark each other. Interesting. Hey, that, thanks for explaining that the about MITRE and yeah. the uh, CVEs. I just, I'm sure that everybody knows this, but it's common vulnerabilities and exposures. And I, yeah. I didn't remember it either, but since you were talking, <laughs> I looked it up on the web here. Thank you. But I'm just curious how granular, or how comprehensive that is. Because if we go to IoT devices, for example, there's just an explosion. You, your refrigerator can talk to you and your toaster and then your, and all kinds of stuff out there. How, and there, you have these manufacturers, some of them are, are the big ones, but some of them you got people who are importing stuff from China and oh, deploying sure. it in their office. So yeah. how granular is that database? Um, so the database is massive. There's a huge amount of data. The problem isn't actually as much with the data that's available, but rather the application of that framework into the environment that you're trying to manage. For example, if you have, and that is running Windows 10. It's just base Windows. There's nothing fancy about it. Your tools are going to be able to run on that product effectively. They're going to be able to give you useful metrics that you can report home. What if you're running, this is not an exaggeration, some sort of pirated BSD OS that's from a non-extradition country, I won't get political, and you need to be able to gather in information on it. Good luck. I'm excited to hear how people are solving that problem because there isn't a one size fits all for many of those. Yeah. And I guess it would behoove everybody to deploy devices that come from a reputable manufacturer, whatever yeah. that means these days, but not from one of these non-extradition countries. Hey, I I, we're coming up here mm -hmm. on a, close to an hour and I don't want to take too much more of your time, Sure, but I did want to just jump tracks and ask you, most people we have on here are from the technical side and you, yeah. you are that as a, a security architect, you're also responsible for pre-sales. Uh, what does that look like in your space? Is it dealing with inbound leads? Is, is there any kind of outbound activities? And yeah, just yeah. paint a picture of that. I love my job. I want to start there. I have okay. a problem and that is I like a lot of different things. I like working in a bunch of different spaces and it's really easy for me to get both. That's just a, a personal problem. What's great about my role as both security architect and also pre-sales manager is I get to do a lot of different kinds of work. Yesterday, I spent an hour talking to an existing customer, showing them how to set up repositories on Linux hosts so that it would work effectively with our tool set. So got in pretty deep into the weeds. We're running some shell scripts in Linux and had a lot of fun. And then later that same day, I was writing copy for our marketing team. And now today I'm on a webcast with you. So there, there's a lot of distinct aspects to the job that I think I only get to do because I work at Sixth Sense, which is a really awesome organization. And they're more interested in getting work accomplished than they are 
and HR. So if there's something that needs to be accomplished, whoever's best suited for it that has the ability and the time to do that thing is the person who's going to be tasked with that work. I've worked in other organizations that are more structured. There's some benefits to the more structure. Personally, I really enjoy being able to leverage my skill set for whatever problem is happening that day. That's awesome, man. And I'm with you in the same boat where I like to do a variety of different things and I get bored real easy. Yep. And if you're, if you're dealing with people, you're always going to be presented with different things. Absolutely. <laughs> Never yep. a dull moment. Hey, mm -hmm. last question. I sure. Before, uh, before we started this podcast, I looked at your, on the video there and your background, yeah. you had just a wall of books. Are you, do you focus in any particular area? Okay. So I put books into three categories, tech, philosophy, and fun. So for tech, if you don't know him, Gene Kim is amazing. And when I talk through the idea of every problem being a HR problem or an engineering problem, I get it from Gene. If you haven't read the Phoenix Project or the Unicorn Project books, I strongly recommend them. They're amazing. So that's on the tech side. Then philosophy, I've been a stoic for most of my life. That's been my influence. So if you're not familiar with Toll or Seneca or Marcus Aurelius, definitely look into them. They're amazing as well. And then fun. Unfortunately, I haven't had a lot of time for fun books, but I do love the Warhammer 40k universe and I'm a shameless addict for all of their books. Awesome. Some great recommendations there. And I have read a couple of the ones that you mentioned. I'm Gene mm -hmm. Kim. So Mark Aurelius, we have a couple different, what's the word, translations of his, what's it called? It's Is it the, Morales? Yeah, that's one of them that we have. But I'm just thinking about, what's it called? The It's his, it's not his biography. It's his, um, yeah, it's I, his journal, right? It's his journal, but there's a way that he expressed it. I forget right now, mm -hmm. but, but it's great stuff. And it's, I got whenever I'm feeling a little bit overwhelmed and, uh, and, they, and I just need a level set and I read uh -huh. this from a guy who was probably the most powerful person on oh the planet my. at the time. Yeah. And he's dealing with the same little, you know, stuff that, that we deal with and in a much more kind of a chill manner. But hey, yep. if you are interested in something that's philosophical and fun, I'm just almost wrapping up a book called Ministry of the Future Ooh, okay. and like a historical fiction, but it's looking at the future. So it's, it's it reads like nonfiction oh, um, sure. and it's, it's, it basically talks about how we as a planet deal with climate change and all the different complexities, but it gets into the monetary system. It gets into carbon capture, deploying yeah. the technology, all the different challenges with it, getting all the different bureaucracies to work together and <laughs> what stirs, yeah, what finally motivates them to do so and so forth, but awesome sure. book. Yeah. The okay. ministry of the future. Hey, Graham, appreciate your time. I've enjoyed the conversation and Mark. would like to wish you and your team an amazing 2023. You as well. Thank you, Mark. Appreciate it. Hello, welcome to Secure Talk, your trusted source of information on the latest threats, trends, tools, and technology related to cybersecurity and compliance.